Hey, Tyler. Hey, brother. How's it going? I'm good, man. How are you? Doing fantastic. Doing fantastic. Nice. Yes, sir. Well, you had a, a good day? day? Oh, yeah. hey. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it was good. Got lots of uh, writing done. I'm, I'm currently finishing an essay on my second MDMA trip from uh, February, actually. Oh, sweet. I, sweet, I just... Sweet. Yeah, it's like when you do those experiences, there's a lot that comes out of it. Yeah. And I just decided to not write about it for a while because that experience brought out a lot of lessons and things to integrate in my life. And I felt like I wasn't doing a very good job of that early on. And so I decided to really take it slow with that trip and really like apply it and live it and really understand and apply those lessons that I learned into my real life. Then I want to write about it and write about how profound it was and how it changed me. Otherwise, I sound like a hypocrite, and I, I just, I really hate, <clears throat> I really hate hypocrisy, and I see it everywhere in politics, especially, but also with the whole self-help book genre in psychology. Like so many people who you know are preaching a certain message, are telling other people what to do, but they themselves are really struggling. Yeah. So I just, I decided to to kind of postpone this essay that I wanted to write in February. And now I feel like I've really understood some of those lessons and have applied them. So I'm just uh, finishing that article and I'm excited to share it with the world and see how it resonates with people. Well, man, I'm excited to read it. Um, I've actually held off on reading your, your first trip essay just solely because I want to be able to really sit down and like, carefully sift through it and compare to what I experienced. I mean, we're going to talk about that a little bit today and I'm sure you can kind of shed some light on that as well, but I'm, I'm very excited to read it and very excited to hear about uh, what you all went through and what you all figured out. Yeah. yeah I appreciate that. Yeah. There's just so much work I put into it and it definitely like all art, whether it's music or poetry or visual art, it's, I, I really, especially with this new writing that I'm doing, it's like every sentence is the best that I can kind of put out. Like it's not that I'm writing for a newspaper and I'm quickly writing something or trying to like convince somebody this is much longer, much slower, much deeper. So it's, it, it really means a lot when um, people are reading um, that writing very carefully. And, and we're joined by my friend Paul right now, who's based in uh, New York. He's a lawyer. And What's going on, Paul? <laughs> manager of a hedge fund company, and he—I'm uh, uh, not going to tell his whole story, but he—he uh, he read my piece um, on MDMA, and let's just say has been taking some actions to uh, apply or, or to t- take similar actions that I've taken. Um, and, and he's doing it very later in life. Obviously, he's much older than us, but he's—he was kind of inspired my by my piece after uh, the great Joe Rogan retweeted it, and it seemed to really blast out. <laughs> And attract a lot of American people who read it and, and took a lot away from it. So um, I'm glad that it's having a really cool uh, ripple effect with a lot of people. Of course. And I mean, understandably so. I mean, man, when the man Joe Rogan tweets something, it gets a lot of a lot of volume and a lot of foot traffic. And <laughs> yeah. Respectfully so, Rav, with the rest of your writing being as great as it has been. Like, there's no doubt in my mind it went viral for a reason, you know? Yeah, yeah. Appreciate that. Of course. Yeah, the, the Joe Rogan effect was pretty cool. It was like 3,000 people had read it on my own. It's on my own website, right? And yeah. I don't have a massive audience by myself. And then he saw it on Twitter and just like, just, and he didn't even like tweet it out. He just retweeted it. 
just clicked the retweet button and it multiplied the viewership by 10. So, or a bit more than 10 because it was 3000 and now it's like over 40,000. So that was just crazy. Wow. Yeah. It was That's nuts. crazy. Hey, it's yeah, kind it of awesome. shocking to think about the, um, the effect that just like one thing can have to the next, like a simple retweet can cause such massive growth and not only the article, but yourself, because now you have more followers. You want to, you know, always strive to be better. So you're going to refine your writing more. And it's crazy. It's super cool. It's so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And it creates a bit of a standard, too, of like, I have to live up to this now, you know, yeah, which, is, totally. which is good. You know, it creates a bit of accountability and kind of and, make sure that I'm motivated to, to put out my best piece of work uh, the next time. Yeah, for sure. I find that is actually something I've struggled with in the past is motivation for self projects. And especially when it slowly is starting to turn into work, like the little while there where I was kind of kick, cooking up beats and kind of getting somewhere with it. I was like, wow, it was really hard to get up in the morning after a while and want to keep doing it. But then when you have someone so great that you really do look up to recognize your work and put like kind of push it out there for the rest of the world to see, it's crazy the effect that that can have, you know, and how much yeah. it can motivate you to keep going. Yeah, but I, I totally feel you. And I still struggle with that, to be honest. Like, I'm naturally very not disciplined and very unmotivated, to be completely honest with you. And for, for a number of reasons that I'll probably get into another time in whatever capacity, writing or podcast form. Um, but I, I, I took, like, March and April away, like, completely from any writing any interviews, any media work. And a lot of that was just more kind of spiritual. After my MDMA trip, I just, I really wanted to get away from writing because I felt like I was trying to like seek approval from society, seek approval from other people. And I was like, you know what? I, I don't want to do this anymore for a, for a bit of time and like really reevaluate what, what I'm doing. Am I, am I doing this writing to impress people and get their attention and be cool and like make new friends? Or am I doing it to actually share my views and really help other people you know like there's health there's healthy and unhealthy reasons for doing totally so that was so that last mdma trip kind of sparked that in me but after afterwards like two months of not doing any writing it was difficult to get back into the swing of things and I, i didn't really feel like writing for a while and that's why i really related with kendrick when he said he was suffering from writer's block it's like yeah. when that happens, when you when you feel like, in some ways, when you feel like you've done so much, not not to equate myself with with King Kendrick, but when I've been like writing about politics so consistently, it's like you know what more can I do? Yeah. Sometimes it's, it's hard to find that motivation, even if a lot of people are recognizing your work. It's it's like how can I be different? Like what's the new thing that I can do? And then that's very very challenging. It's a, a massive <clears throat> inner battle you sometimes have to work through to totally. really pro- to really process and o- overcome those things, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I, I totally agree. Like it's, it's a perfect example in my, my life right now with what I was doing with music when I was going to school, that was what I was pursuing. And as much as I love it and it's one of my passions, like my two passions are music and cars. And, you know, like my third love is just the arts as a whole, whether that's film or literature or, you know, um, sculptures, paintings, that kind of thing. Um, it's cars and art and specifically music. 
and I was going to school and it just became such a chore sometimes for me to sit down and like, be like, okay, I'm going to, you know, make a beat a day and, you know, do that for a little while. And it's like, okay, I'm going to learn a song on the guitar a day, or I'm going to learn a bass line a day. You know, I'm going to learn two new keys on the piano a day, whatever it was that I was doing. It became so chorish that I like had to take a step back and I've really been really evaluating like my career path. Is it, is it meant to be music or should I go into more of a business side of things, which is why I got a sales position just to kind of venture out there and see what's going on. So I took a step back from school. I don't want to become unmotivated anymore. And I want to continue to learn how to love the things that I love. And if that means music, isn't that like thing that I pursue as my career and my free time? Is that something that I sit and refine on my own time when I'm ready and when I feel motivated and inspired? It's been weird for me. It's It's been a real battle to sit down and like really try to practice. So I've taken a step back to give myself some time to re- refresh, I guess. Yeah. And, and you also bring up another interesting topic of, of the, the, the difference between like what you're normally doing for work versus some of these very interesting creative projects that you do. And I've been, been thinking a lot about what my future is going to look like. And, and I don't really like just sort of, you know, being that creative guy who's just kind of up on his own to, to do like whatever he wants to do. Like, uh, like for, for, for some reason that seems like it's, it's too freeing. There's too much freedom there. And I like having like some kind of nine to five job to do, whether, like even if it relates to what I'm doing, like maybe it's at a newspaper or, or for me, I definitely want to make my own film, uh, make my own TV show and act in it. Um, I don't know if you've seen master of none, Tyler, um, but that's kind of what I'm thinking about doing. Have you seen that on Netflix? I have not seen it. It's actually been on my list for quite some time, Dude, it's but so I just haven't gotten around to it. I just actually watched a show that I thought was quite relevant to what we're here to talk about that I wanted to recommend to you. Sure. It's called Nine Perfect Strangers on um, mm. on Amazon Prime. It's a Prime original, originally created by Hulu, but Amazon picked it up. And uh, I'll give you just a quick rundown because I, I think it's really, really interesting and it was really well done. Uh, the sure. other day when we were talking about film on the Kendrick podcast, um, and you had said, you know, it was hard for you to kind of keep up with shows and like sit down and watch um like watch something and if you get bored like you're just immediately turned off of it and it kind of like you never think about it again this show was so well put together in the sense of like dialogue and character development character interaction like there was a lot of dialogue and it was never boring it's basically you know it's about this uh wellness retreat called uh tranquilium and these nine individuals are invited down for like 10 days wellness, you know, heal, uh, spa retreat. That's how it's kind of advertised, but, um, it's actually like psychedelic therapy, but it's, it's given to them unknowingly. Like they don't know they're taking psychedelics. Um, and it's just kind of how they slowly piece apart, you know, Oh my goodness, this isn't normal. What what's happening and how they actually come to terms with the therapy and like love it. But it's, I don't know. It's really cool. Um, I think you should check it out. It was really, really interesting to say, see the way that it can kind of affect people when they take it knowingly and unknowingly. Um, wow. And like the positive effects it had, you know, the end I was crying, but like tears of joy. Yeah. That sounds really cool. And it, and it was about psychedelics. Specifically? Yeah. Yeah. Specifically, oh. specifically, oh, wow. um, well, mushrooms, yeah. LSD and MDMA. Definitely got to watch that then. 
Yeah. I will watch that ASAP. Cool. But yeah, I, I was saying earlier, like the, the line between your ordinary daily work versus these more crazy, fun, creative projects, like finding the line between that and not being, you know, too isolated. Like, like a lot of people struggle with kind of the opposite of what I'm struggling with in that they're working nine to fives and they feel creatively suppressed and they're not able to express themselves. For me, it's a little more like I'm a little too free and kind of I have to make my own schedules, make my own projects. And sometimes there's that lack of motivation. And, and many times it's just like, there is that creative project in me, but I don't know how to pull it out. And I just feel lazy and unmotivated to actually really drill down and focus and see what's what's inside of me and what I can actually give to the world. So that's just something I'm, I'm thinking about too. And I'm sure that relates to you as well of, you know, you know, maybe you're, you know, you work in finance or real estate or law or, or whatever it is, but then music is on the side. But because you're, but because you have this daily regimen and this totally different thing that you do, or, or maybe it's similar, but because of that, then you're able to really put a lot more uh, effort and nuance into your side creative projects. So, so I don't know what that's going to look like for me, but I think definitely I'll be making my own uh TV show at some point and acting in it, directing it, and then maybe writing is going to be on the side or I don't know how it will pan out, but, but I'm also considering music as well. At some point, I definitely like to uh, get into making my own music, but it's, it's a matter of when I have the space for it and when I feel like I can devote that, that amount of time to doing something creatively versus um, doing something that's more um, fixed and has more of a regular schedule. Of course, I totally understand. I get, um, I get almost anxious thinking about the decision because it is such a big thing to pick. And I know you can always go back, and there's always other classes to take and other paths to choose from. But you know, is it, you know, do I stick with sales and, you know, some days end up a finance manager and a general manager of a firm somewhere? Like, do I, do I work towards a more business or arts career like do i choose that path and then pursue my arts on the side or do i just hit heart like the arts head on you know do i devote all my time to that and potentially kill it rather than sticking with just you know my regular structured daily thing and then having you know my passions on the side it's, it's been tough but you know slowly but surely i'm sure we'll figure it out you don't know it is what it is and It'll find a way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think it is it is important to have something concrete that you're doing mainly. Like that, there's definitely something to doing something that's maybe more physical or more interacting with people um, versus like like some people like they're just writers, they're novelists, they're authors, and like doing that alone, I think, would be very difficult for me. Difficult for a lot of people because you're just kind of running around in your own head all the time and trying to create something. But if you're, if you're making music on the side or if you're if, like, if you're a lawyer or if you have your own big podcast, or if you're a comedian, you're a musician, you're touring around the world, creating your own TV show, making movies, making films, or even just like traveling and doing other things, then you're able to really hone in on your, your, your creativity and create something that's really like kind of bigger than life. But if you're just kind of running around in your own head, in your own, house just kind of trying to create something from nothing then you might uh, hit a brick wall pretty quickly 
Totally. I totally agree. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what happened to me, you know, pandemic hit. I was in the stew every day doing exactly what I could with what I had. And, you know, slowly over time investing in equipment and, you know, now I've got a full home studio, but I, I look at it and I'm like, damn, by the time it was done, I was so burnt out because that was all I was doing was trying to figure it out and trying to like learn all my equipment, try to learn all these shortcuts, learn the best techniques and listen to the best musicians and study and study and study. I sat down to make music and I felt so dead. And it took like six months of slowly working my way back up to it to finally sit down with the boys and like have a jam session, brainstorm and, and just like sit down and put out my own ideas. I spent like two weeks every night after work, just coming home and like sitting there, like focused, locked in. I barely saw my girlfriend. She was pissed, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> we were just, you know, I, I figured it out. And, you know, I take these breaks and have these moments of inspiration where I sit down and that next big step, you know, on the project happens and it's like, sweet. You know, first we just had drums. Mm. Now we got synths and we got a little bit of effects. Okay, well, now we've got, now we've got a rhythm and we've really, really got something going. We lay down a bass line and some background guitar. It's like, okay, this is good, but it's happening in like, that's a year period. It's like, okay, yeah. well, we're moving on to vocals and writing and it's just letting yourself be inspired. And I really love the way of like that way of and form of creativity because it's so natural and it's usually a lot more emotional just because like it's in the moment. It's exactly how you're feeling. You don't write it down, you know, and come back to it six months later. And I think that the best musicians can really harness that emotion. And I'm, I'm trying my best to still figure out how mm. to do that. But giving myself time in between has really helped. And I think if I chose this path as a career, it would have to be always, and I'd have to work through those slumps, which are some of the most like frustrating, mind-boggling situations, because you don't know what's wrong. You just can't think of anything. Yeah. And it's yeah. hard to find a motivation, especially when you're seeking it. Like It always comes when you're least expecting it. And I think when you seek it out so hard, there's so such littler amounts hit you, and it feels very forced. And I don't like that yeah. way that we're working with it. Like, you know, Connor hit me up randomly and being like, yo, can I come record a Beatles cover? It was like, yeah, let's do it. And I'm sitting there and we're making a modernized version of like all these cool Beatles songs and trying to mm. figure it out. And it was a blast, but I didn't plan it. It wasn't on a schedule. He messaged That's me awesome. Friday. He was there Sunday and it was just easy. That's kind of the best way I can put it is like, man, it, it really sucks when, it feels so forced. So I'm glad to be taking a step back and doing what I'm doing now. It's, it's really good. Yeah. That's awesome. I feel the same about psychedelics, taking it and yeah, doing yeah. it once and figuring things out. You've got to let yourself breathe in between and really process what's happening. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And before we talk about that, I'm like, I, I'm looking to get into music and I'm thinking about uh, what to do with that. And I'm going to, I'm going to have a conversation with uh, Paupu familiar with him. Yeah, obviously the, the the famous song "Deathbed" that went viral everywhere. I know Palfu. He graduated with a few friends of mine from Abbotsford, who I make music with. Yeah, have you have you ever met him before? I have not met him. No. Yeah, he, he seems super cool. He's on tour right now, but when he comes back, uh, he and I are going to be hanging out. And he's he's a big fan of Jordan Peterson, and we kind of linked up um, online. And he's um, he's a very interesting person. He's very thoughtful. 
yeah. um, when it when it comes to politics and social issues. I really respect him. He's, he's not just like an isolated musician who just makes music. Like he, he pays attention to what's happening and has a lot of nuanced views, which I appreciate. So we're um, going to be talking and having a conversation, and I'm going to see if I can learn anything from him and um, and see what happens. That'll be so sweet, man. I'm excited to hear about it. Yeah, I think he'll be on the podcast too. We'll definitely let you know when that happens. He'll be here at some point. That'll be dope. I can't He's, wait for it. Yeah, he says he was down to, to come on and we'll, you know, we'll drill down on his creative process and see um, what inspires him and how he creates his art. So that'll be really, really, really exciting to do that. I'm, I'm stoked to hear it, bro. Yeah. So okay, yeah, let's talk about psychedelics. Um, and I probably want to wrap this up by 1030, 1045 if we need it. Hey, of but, course. Um, so yeah, why, why don't you tell me you know what happened um, over the weekend? Um, you said you took one gram of mushrooms. Um, and yeah. you different people who were there. Um, I guess you, you know the experience better than I do. So oh, why don't yeah. you lay it out, lay, lay it out for me? Maybe kind of what's going on um, without going into obviously any tangential details, but of like course. what were like the profound moments, highlights, and we can kind of break it down for you. For sure. So I'll kind of, kind of, can I explain the situation and like why it happened, how it happened and like explain from, I can briefly sum it up sure. in, like beginning to end with highlighting the profound moments in between. Um, so, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Briefly like yeah. outline why you were there, but mainly I want to talk about the actual of course. experience. Cause, cause it, it, it just helps it, to put context to sure. the whole situation for the thing. Cause yeah. it wasn't like, you know, just a random, like, Hey, let's go do shrooms in the woods. Ha ha ha. It was really thought out and thorough, and I think it helps sure. to know a little bit of backstory. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've got some good friends. We, you know, work on our cars together. We work on music together. We hang out every May long weekend. We like to go camping up at Chilliwack Lake, which is a local lake near us here in Vancouver. And we live in Chilliwack, but, you know, Vancouver central area. Um, it's about an hour and a half away. And last year we did mushrooms uh, on a whim we've heard that they had done really good things for people with mental illness and they were helping a lot of people, you know, bring up past traumas and heal. And it's a really good form of therapy. My buddy who brought the shrooms up initially, um, had done them once before. So we all kind of figured it out. Three of us were going to do it and just kind of see how it went. And I was pretty nervous. So I did half a gram and I didn't really feel much this year. I wanted to change that. And after hearing about some of Rad's experiences, hearing about Joe Rogan's experiences, um, Duncan Trussell, all these different people that I really look to and admire, um, Jordan Peterson. I was like, okay, I need to go yeah, into it. I was just going to say, by the way, have you heard Jordan Peterson talk about psychedelics? I have. Dude, it's next level, man. It's, when he talks about it, because he's super sophisticated, yeah. and intellectual, obviously. Um, I don't know if there's anything you can remember of his that specifically um, spoke to you, but when he talks about it, it's... He knows so much, and I've been actually very surprised how much he knows about psychedelics without ever having taken them, it seems to be. It doesn't seem like he's taken them, um, but I, I can actually find out and see see if he has, but he's never talked about his experiences because I don't think he's had any, but he, yeah. he, he's read so much about it. He knows so much about the, ner the neuroscience and the, the religious and spiritual and psychological implications of it, so he's he's a really good resource for um, uh, listening to and understanding what exactly psychedelics are and what they do to your brain and how they intersect with uh, mystical religious experience. 
Yeah, and I, I can't remember much. I only read one piece by it, and it was, uh, I shouldn't even say read. I watched like a highlight reel on YouTube and then read a little bit about um, the piece he was talking about. Fuck, I just tried to look it up to see if I could find the piece because I couldn't remember which one it was because he's got all these uh, podcasts with like briefs in them, and that's mm. what I read. No worries. <laughs> yeah, he- it was season four, episode 20. How, how ironic. Season four, episode. What's that? Uh, what's the title of that one? The psychology of psychedelics. Oh yeah, figured as much. I know it was big, and it was something I remember being like seeing on Twitter. I mean, like, oh, I got to check that out. I still haven't listened to the full podcast, but yeah. um, so so that podcast actually was the reason. Like that was like the tipping point for me. It was like, okay, I have to do this now. That podcast. Yeah. I listened to that. I think I listened to that one like three times over, and that one's with Dr. Roland Griffiths who is the yeah. leading pioneer of psychedelic research at Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore, Maryland. And I actually just had his colleague on the podcast last week, Dr. Matt Johnson, um, who's, who's a bit younger than him. Uh, and he has his degree in psychiatry and clinical psychology. And Matt, Matt Johnson and Roland Griffiths, they've together, they've pioneered the most compelling psychedelic research for, for studying um, uh, people with smoking addictions, treating them with psilocybin, MDMA therapy for people with PTSD, uh, psilocybin also for eating addictions and for depression. They've done the most groundbreaking research. And and it was great to have Matt on, and he was explaining some of those things to me. But that podcast, Roland Griffiths was, was revealing these insights from his research, and it was really interesting to see Jordan Peterson engage with that. And again and again, like Roland was sharing his research and Jordan was like repeatedly just stunned over and over again and, and just stunned beforehand too, because he had read the research and, and you know, Jordan's a very kind of conservative uh, Christian influenced straight laced psychology guy who has his degree and, you know, follows kind of the, the standard, you know, Western philosophies and Western science. And for, for him, like reading psychedelic stuff, it really breaks through and shatters like everything you kind of, traditionally know and it presents something that's so different from anything else that it's it, it really it's, it's shocking to to really get into it it's because it, it's beyond the logical mind it's beyond measuring things and understanding things with our um our, our right our, the right side of our brain and it's very much more creative than spiritual anyway anyway sorry go on no totally i totally totally agree i haven't i really need to dive into it and yeah yeah, I, I, I'm really pumped to check this out now. I have to, I have to listen to it. I'll be listening to it at work tomorrow. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that, that's a good one. That like that one I played like once, like while doing various things, like driving and working and stuff. And then I listen, then I watched it again on YouTube, and then I listened to it again a few months later. So that one has a lot of replay value. But it's it's great to to listen to it while you're doing other things. It really kind of punctuates the day. Sweet, I can't wait. But yeah, okay, so back to what I was saying before. Um, yeah, so we went out into the woods, had a great first night, and just kind of chilled out, and we had planned to do it the second of our three days. And so, you know, the time came down to it, and uh, we bought these drinks. They're like pre-mixed with one gram of psilocybin mushrooms. Um, they honestly are mind-blowing. Like, they taste exactly how you would think, which is fantastic. Like, you cannot taste the sh- mushrooms in them at all. Um it's ground up into like a powder and dissolved almost like an iced tea. Uh, but you can get, you know, blueberry, 
pomegranate. You can get a uh, lemon iced tea. You can get green tea. Where they did you really buy those? Uh, they were at a dispensary in Vancouver. Yeah, I don't yeah, know the exact one. Yeah, they've opened up these multiple dispensaries in Vancouver now. It's incredible. There they're was one re- in Abbotsford for about six months, and it got shut down. Okay. But uh, that was where we had got them the first time. Okay. Yeah, in yeah. Vancouver, there's a few new dispensaries that have opened up that I'm hearing about that are really uh, unique and offer a lot of different varieties of mushrooms and different ways you can have it. Yeah. Um, me and my buddy Parker, at some point, we're going to uh, check it out and see what they have there. Parker? Uh, P- Parker Zacharias, you might know. Rosedale no way. He's going to try them? Yeah, yeah. He and I did, did the one gram mushroom. Maybe I'll send you that article, too. This is from January uh, it was a small dose of mushrooms we did together, um, just in my basement here where I'm sitting. We did one gram of mushrooms together. It was a really profound experience. More so for him, actually. It's a little more difficult for me, but he really enjoyed it. And, and this summer, we're gonna we're gonna amp it up and maybe try two or three grams. And, and I think I'm gonna uh, guide for him just to kind of sit there because when you're doing like three grams of mushrooms, um, I don't know if you know anybody or if you've been around. Yeah. Yes. Anybody at those doses, but when you're doing three grams, do not do it like in a group because because things can go very wrong very quickly, um, or or it could just be very difficult and traumas could come up and you need somebody to kind of hold your hand a little bit, you know, literally or metaphorically, but just to like be there for you because it can be very difficult. So I'm going to kind of be there for him at some point in the next uh, couple months, and he's going to do a. Uh, a full therapeutic dose, which is three grams. Which would be so great. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we, we did a gram. Um, my friend Alex did a gram. Our friend Gavin did about one and a half grams. And my buddy Connor did just about, just over two. And we were sitting together, sorry, just the sorry, four of us. Sorry, you just cut out there. Can you, can you repeat the amounts again? Oh, yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, I did one gram. My buddy Alex did one gram. Our friend Gavin did about one and a half grams. And um, uh, my buddy Connor did just over two. And um, yeah, we sat down in a bit of a circle and just kind of wanted to be together. We had music and notepads and we were, you know, we had no cell service. So it was just like our empty phones with whatever music we had downloaded. And we really wanted to get away from the crowd. We were with a group of about 12 of us camping. We had a few visitors uh, that day. So there was quite a lot of people around and we didn't want to induce any negative effects. We didn't want to get too anxious or too worried or too, you know, fearful. Um, My biggest fear going into it was that the people around us were going to judge us for it. And that was really difficult to get my head around. And I needed to clear that thought before I did them. So I didn't ruin the trip. Like like people who weren't doing mushrooms? Yeah. Who were close to you? Yeah. Oh, did you not do you not kind of move away a little bit? So you're we did, but it was it was a it was a before thought. Like I was that I was worried about that beforehand. So oh, I waited okay. to do them a little bit until I could kind of calm down and been like, it's okay, they know what's happening, it's whatever, we'll be away from them anyways. Right. And so yeah, we sat down and you know, pounded it back. Took about twenty five minutes for it to start to affect Alex. Um and it hit him really negatively, really, really quickly. He looked over at the people around the campfire as we were about 50 feet away. And, uh, you know, I looked at him and I was like, Alex, are you okay? He said, no, bro, the ground's breathing. <laughs> and he got up and walked away. And he got so scared of the people looking at us 
that he mm-hmm. like could feel his heartbeat throughout his body and like into the ground. Oh yeah, that's what I had. I, I could feel my heartbeat too. And that was kind of, that, that was very freaky. <laughs> very freaky for him. So he got up and yep. he moved down to uh, the river, which is where I sent you those photos. What, um, what, was he having heart palpitations? No, he was just like, you know, heavy heart rate. He got a little anxious and the trip really made him connect with how his body was feeling. And that heartbeat was amplified. And he said he felt it like hit the ground and like flow through the ground. And like Mm. the ground was like, it felt like it was breathing because of it. And it was just like freaky. Yeah. Well, yeah. So essentially if if he can feel his heartbeat, it's very loud and it's pumping basically heart palpitations. That's what I was having. Oh, okay. Exactly. Um, yeah. 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 Interesting. Okay. Go on. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we, he moves down to the water and we wanted to give him a few minutes. And this is really when I noticed them coming into effect for me, I went to grab his notebook and bring it down there for him. And I stood up and I felt very heavy, my shoulders and my chest specifically. Um, but my head was kind of foggy and I'm like, yep, there it is. It's starting. And I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the ride. So I got up and we went down to the river with Alex and just kind of sat there um, we listened to a few different records. Uh, we listened to Awaken My Love by Childish Gambino. We listened to What Kind of Music by Tom Mish and Yusuf Days. And then there was a little bit of scattered scattered songs. Some Kid Cudi and some Odie, uh, some Ace Rocky, uh, some Tame Impala, some Rolling Stones, Eden. Just a few different artists that we knew would have a fun effect. And when it really, really the experience enhanced. I was looking out at the water and it was, you know, a shallow part of the river. So it was, looked very rapidy and all of the blue in the water looked like it was flowing one way and the white water, you know, coming up from the rocks and the waves almost looked like it was something swimming against it. And it was, it was the first time I've really looked at nature as like truly alive. Like you look at a tree and you're like, Oh yeah, that tree's dead or that tree's alive. But you don't really see, how alive it is. And this was one thing that I experienced on the trip was a major reappreciation for the environment and for nature around us. Mm. Um, very, very, very common. Yeah. I, people. Really I special. Yep. looked at the trees on the other side of the riverbank and all of them looked connected at the tips of the branch. Mm. And like, they almost had like a pulse going through them where the bark would separate and move. And you could see this, you know, forests of trees over this entire mountainside moving in one motion. Wow. It was kind of like a wave, like a ripple. And like, Mm. it it was like, it was super windy. It was starting to get cloudy after the sunshine and the beautiful morning. And Mm. I kind of had to sit there and let this feeling of guilt take over. I was kind of reminiscing on a few times in high school or where I've been in a rush where I've before you go on there for a second, like yeah. also like we should really like highlight that. Like you're seeing the interconnectedness of nature. You're not seeing the you're you're not feeling your normal self, your normal self being this separate entity that's looking out at a alien external world. The boundary between self and other is dissolving. That that's at the center of many spiritual traditions especially eastern spiritual traditions like buddhism and hinduism and definitely parts of mystical christianity uh less so with protestant christianity um which is more averse to what you would consider mystical experience that's a whole other discussion that we could entertain at some point but uh, me me and my buddy eric uh, he's 
Jordan Peterson's video producer. We, we did a like three hour podcast the other day uh, and we were talking a lot about this. Um, can, can you just hold on for one second? Of course. Yeah. One second. All right. I'm back. Sorry. Yeah. So, um, no worries. yeah, I was, I was going to say the, um, seeing the aliveness of the world and of nature and of dissolving the boundary between self and other is at the, the center of many spiritual traditions, especially within Buddhism. That's kind of the center of the whole practice of meditation it's like, how do you be less in your head and see more the beauty in the world and see the beauty in yourself ultimately as well and, and not see yourself as something that's separate and different from the world, but that you are part of the world and that the world is acting through you and you are acting through it and that what you do is what the world does. You're a manifestation of the world and the world is a manifestation of you. You are representing the, the greatest mystery of the universe right here in your own flesh. And you can see that in a tree, in a mountain, in a river. You can see the interconnectedness of everything rather than this feeling of separateness, which is kind of at the heart of a lot of mental illness and a lot of depression and anxiety is you feel so isolated within yourself. Even if you have other people around, sometimes you feel so disconnected and psychedelics really open up connection with the world in a really profound way. Totally. I think um, that was a big, big thing for me was noticing how a part of everything I was. And that's kind of what I was going to say before. Um, it caused me to reminisce on high school a lot because there was quite a few times where I could vividly remember like, you know, tossing a, a straw wrapper out the window and not really caring, you know, leaving a can on a beach and just being like, oh, something will happen to it. You know, leaving, you know, mcdonald's cups at the skate park like little things like that where it was like yeah i didn't really care and it it hurt me seeing this beautiful planet being destroyed by idiots like like me and it was like wow like this is something so alive and so beautiful why am i damaging it even unwillingly sometimes or unknowingly like why why not wait and try to preserve it you know i love cars i want petrol cars to be around a lot longer than i think they will be so to do that, I have to take care of my environment and every other aspect of my life in order to drive these fun, loud, obnoxious cars. And it wow. was like, yeah. whoa. You know, and then I really felt that confirmed as the storm kept rolling in. We sat there and I was listening to, I, I believe it was Tidal, on um, mm -hmm. a Tidal Wave, on uh, What Kind of Music by Tom Mission, Use of Days. And the song is literally like a theatrical tidal wave. It hits you so hard and it swells and it rolls and it crashes and it builds and it swells and it rolls and it crashes and it destroys the like feeling of safety that you can kind of sometimes get from music. It's beautifully chaotic. And it hit me as the wind starts to pick up and the waves get bigger and the trees start to shake and the rain starts to pour and you, you know when it rains really heavy and you can see that wall of rain coming, the river was kind of like three giant S's in its curves and we could see straight down it. And watching that wall of rain turn those curves towards us, it felt angry. Like these mountains were angry because they knew that we fucked up. And it was like, hey, go inside because we got to wash all this crap away. We got to wash it off you. And, you know, once everything dries and the sun comes back out, it'll be even more beautiful 
and even more green and you can appreciate it more. Wow. And it was this moment of like bliss and chaos because it it really did go from like zero to 100. It was sunny. There was a slight breeze. The birds were chirping. And in five minutes, it was black clouds and this rushing wall of rain coming towards us with crazy winds and the branches shaking. Mm. As tidal wave is like progressing and the drums are getting louder, like I felt the drums in my chest, but I feel this wind. And every time it hits me, I get like, you know, a pulse of energy through me. But no matter what I did, I couldn't move. Like I was just stuck there standing like against the wind, like, whoa. And I, I went into my tent and I laid down and I really thought about the experience. Um, I, I had a couple episodes of Community downloaded on my phone. I was trying to come down a little bit and um, kind of bring this to a close so I could reflect on it. Because, you know, the storm was outside and I was, it had been about you know two and a half hours. I knew I was about to come down. And... Um, I couldn't even focus on the episode of community as I was just like so wrapped up in what I just felt. Mm. I felt like I saw the universe in one mountainside Mm. and not like, not literally like I didn't trip and see this crazy thing. It was just how I could feel and watching these interconnected trees that were visually like interconnected. That was the, like one of the few visual things that really happened besides like, you know, the water kind of looking a little humanoid in its nature and how it was moving and, the pulsing in the branches and like, I could almost feel like I could almost see the wind in a sense. Like I could kind of see where it was going to go. It was really profound for me. Yeah. And, and you know, what a perfect metaphor for life is like, you're sitting there in the sun, the beautiful sun, just basking in the, the beautiful weather. Then suddenly the storm hits and the dark clouds and the rain starts pouring, you know, life, you never know when tragedy is going to hit. You know, beautiful times are sometimes unanticipated as well. And you, you really can't anticipate a lot of things that happen to you. And you just kind of got to go with the flow. I have that tattooed on my left arm um, in Sanskrit, um, which, which is a uh, ancient language in, uh, in India. So it just says, go with the flow, because I think that's a very important lesson to learn. So it was, it was, in some ways, it was really um, it was a perfect time to see that shift in weather while you're on mushrooms and your senses are elevated and you're much more in tune with reality than you normally are because that's totally. what the mushroom. So that's what the mushrooms are doing, right? They're amplifying what's already going on. And then that's kind of what leads to the bad trip for many people. And I'm also curious to hear more about what Alex went through and how his come down was, but that that's kind of what happens is like when you have a lot of anxiety, which was kind of my experience on the one gram of mushrooms, very different from Parker's experience, but I had this underlying anxiety that was kind of in my chest um, already, these kind of butterflies in my stomach that I was just kind of experiencing for a few weeks due to some um, stress that was going on in my life. And the mushrooms really multiplied it by 10 and elevated that. Um, and, and so it unfortunately wasn't the best experience, but for people um, who don't have a lot of latent anxiety, it can be very, a very beautiful enriching experience where they're fully immersed within their environment um, and they're, they're able to see things much more clearly rather than project their own inner turmoil or their own inner fantasies onto the world and just see the world for what it is. Totally. It was something that I totally was, I was struck with this feeling of like, exactly like connectiveness. Like I, I felt stuck 
in the best way. And it was, it was, it was cool to see my experience and then Alex's. So Alex was stuck in a much different light. He was stuck in this headspace of like fear and like anxiety because of the people around us. So when he moved down to the beach, he really needed to calm down and he just started drawing and he drew a flower with a mouth in the middle or sorry, an eye and another flower with a mouth and the flower with the eye was kind of intimidating the flower with the mouth never got finished. It was like you can talk and talk and exhaust yourself, or you can stare and wither. And he was like, he didn't explain to me what it meant, but that's kind of what I took from it was he was so scared of these people looking at him. He was like, I'd, I feel he would rather talk it out and communicate with a select few than have, you know, be watched and made to feel like he was withering. Because that's, that's kind of what I got. And I didn't ask him. But I talked to him about how he was feeling through it, and he was like, I didn't like being watched. I didn't like feeling like the center of attention. I didn't like feeling like I was some sort of experiment while I was trying this. Because there was, you know, everyone else there hadn't done it before. So it was like they really were glued to us. Even when we moved down onto the beach, they were just kind of watching, waiting to see what would happen. You know, in the movies, you see these things go crazy yeah. wrong, and they're always glorified in, in, in very un accurate ways you know especially in big movies like comedies and you know people expect yeah. that to happen when you know you take these substances yeah. and that was a that's, fear for him that's not a very good environment to be in if people are watching you and expecting a reaction that's really suboptimal you do not want to do that and that's, you want that's to be why in, yeah that's why we moved you know and yeah. the only good. reason we 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 did move was because of that fear and we didn't want to induce a bad trip. And, you know, Alex was able to calm down and enjoy. But even when we moved, you know, one peek around a tree. And every now and then you would see someone peek. And it was usually one of our girlfriends checking in to make sure we were okay. But, you know, it was once an hour. We weren't being stared at intensely. And it was nice to know that we had a safe wall of people there that would have been there for us if we needed it. But they also don't understand what we're going through. And that was a hard part of it for us. So... I had a great trip. Gavin mm. had a great trip as well. Um, but kind of went a little bit overboard and was smoking a little bit too much weed, trying to ground himself. Cause he was like, all right, I'm over this. And he was like trying to counter substance it. And he, he had a terrible time. He ended up throwing up and mm. uh, he felt better after taking, you know, a bit of a nap and eating some food, but he, he screwed up by trying to mix so much. Mm. Mix marijuana right? with psilocybin. Yeah, and for, for people like myself or Connor, it grounds us and calms us down. And it just like, that was the moment when I got out of my tent. And I was like, all right, I'm like a 4 out of 10. I'm just kind of feeling the physical side effects right now. I want this to be over with. I'm just going to, you know, kind of end it. It was a quick way to finish it off and ground myself and sober up. Mm. But Gavin, you know, who was just like, oh, I'm just going to huff, huff, huff. <laughs> yeah, he did not puff, puff, puff yeah. for very long. <laughs> Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, it, it varies so much. With people, yeah, right? and, and for Connor, it was a complete opposite of Alex's trip. Where uh, at first, okay, but, but before we talk about Connor, though, I'm also yes. curious, like the physical side effects you were having. Like, were you also having a bit of that chest sensation that yeah. Alex was? To, like, what, what was it like? I'm curious. It, it, it felt like my heart was beating, and I was very aware of it. Mm. It, it was very heavy, but I also felt like every now and then I would get like a pulse of goosebumps through my body. 
And after that pulse of goosebumps, I could feel like every fiber of the clothing on my body. I could feel every hair that was poking out of my arms and my legs. You know, I could feel each individual hair on my head and my eyelashes, my my eyebrows. I could feel every taste bud in my mouth and all the, the lines of enamel on my teeth. I could feel like, you know, I could feel the blood pumping through my veins. It was like 10 to 15 seconds of complete and utter awareness hmm. but within myself did that destabilize you at all like feeling your heartbeat feeling these different sensations at in first, your body at first it did for the first hour it was kind of freaking me out a little bit and it was causing a bit of unease hmm. and right around the time that i really started to notice you know I, I started to pull away from the music a little bit and focus in on nature when i started to notice such you know the true beauty like i was talking about earlier those sensations became a lot more pleasant and I felt a lot more mm. with myself and the things Good. around me. Yeah. Yeah. And I need to definitely do that. Um, in, in my trips, I didn't really do it in nature. I did it more eyes closed with myself, which yeah. there's a lot of advantages to doing that. And, and, and Parker had a great trip. Um, it was just in our basement, eyes closed. Um, but it was just a very deep meditation. So his eyes were closed and he didn't need any other, simulation and, and and normally meditation for him and for many people it's very difficult to do because you have all these thoughts in your brain about things you regret things you didn't do or, or things you want to do it's very difficult to focus but with this he was just fully content eyes closed not sleeping not thinking about the future not thinking about the past not daydreaming just fully aware of what's going on in his mind and what's going on in his body and so it was a really deep meditation just just like a normal meditation kind of multiplied by 10 so for him it was really good but for me i had a lot of chest anxiety that came up and i spoke to my friend carson kavari who's the clinic director at thrive downtown which is yeah. a, 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 gr a great place if anybody's looking for um a direction to go for guided psychedelic trips or just psychedelic integration they have great counselors so like if you've done psychedelics you can go to their counselors and they can they can incorporate that within your counseling work. It doesn't matter if you've done psychedelics in what context, or if you haven't done psychedelics and you're just looking for really good counseling, you can just go there and then they know their shit really good and they know their psychedelics. So if you've had some profound or uniquely difficult experiences, you can go there and find a good counselor and really connect with them and break down and dissect your psychedelic experience and what it broadly means for yourself and your personality and, and how to really integrate that moving forward. But when I spoke to uh, my friend Carson, who's the director of this clinic, he was saying that I experienced all this anxiety in my chest. Um, it, like it, not because that the mushrooms caused the anxiety necessarily, but that there was already this latent anxiety in my chest that the mushrooms had amplified. So mushrooms just amplify what's already there. And yeah. so for a lot, a lot of people who, who are very traumatized, let's say, even if they don't consciously see it, the mushrooms can really bring that out in a very difficult way. And obviously, I, I don't know Alex that well. You, you probably know him better, of course. And it would be great to have him on here, by the way, if he was here right now. Maybe we should have planned that a little bit better. Have, <laughs> Connor, have Connor and Alex on. That would have been really cool. Yeah. Have a group conversation. But, um, you know, there, there are all sorts of reasons for why many people have bad trips and after that experience, I was, 
I kind of stayed away from mushrooms and still haven't done them in a while. But but this summer, I think I'm going to get back into it. But for me, it's been a road of deep inner healing. And, and you know, MDMA is a good place to start if you have a lot of uh, anxiety and a lot of trauma that I do. So that's yeah. been really helpful for me. But but now it's a lot of meditation, a lot of breath work, a lot of journaling to really tone down this underlying anxiety that I have that, to be honest, I didn't even know it was there. I thought I was like anxiety free. And then, and then, and that's kind of the silver lining from the mushroom trip, but, but also more so the MDMA trips is they reveal to you what's actually going on in your body and in your mind. It's like psychedelics just have this way of just highlighting with this bright yellow marker of like, Hey, look at this, <laughs> look what's going on right here. Don't ignore this. If you ignore this, your life is going to suck, you know? Um, yeah. and so th- that's why when you have a bad trip, it's important to look at what the lesson you're being taught is and try to grow from that and apply it in your life as best as you can. Yeah, bro. Totally. I totally agree. I think it's from what I've heard, you know, people who are very anxious about the situation do really well on MDMA. And I think that, you know, each, each psychedelic has its own purpose for each person and the right person should find the right one. But, you know, I didn't go to a counselor and figure mine out, but I think if you have fears and you have doubts, going to someone and being like, Hey, from, you know, this, this, and that, and how I'm feeling, is there some way, something or some, some, you know, form of this that you can recommend that's better for me? Because I truly do think this is super beneficial for not only me, but others. And not only, you know, um, you know, people who suffer from trauma, but also, you know, depression, mental illness, even just overstressed. Like I, I, can't remember the last time I was that relaxed. I really felt truly, yep. at even yep. with the chaos around me, like in those moments during that storm, it was profound. And I really, really appreciated how peaceful it was, even though it was insane. I'm like, I'm getting absolutely soaked. And I came in before I was like drenched and had to change my clothes. But I'm like, wow, like I, I didn't feel an ounce of worry. I didn't run. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Our tent could literally blow away. <laughs> it was that strong of winds, and it was just like, okay, I'm just gonna go lay down and enjoy nature. And yeah, it was it was just profound to say the least. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I had a very similar experience with MDMA too. Anything that really expands your consciousness, and that can just be meditation too. It can show you what actual peace of mind is like and what being fully immersed in the moment is like. And very few people know what that, what that is yeah. because they're, they're so like, like social media and um, the online world really has destroyed us in many ways in that aspect of being in the moment and being peaceful. But, but, but just in general too, it's like, we're always agitated, even if we don't know it. And that's why I recommend people start uh, meditating and, Sam Harris has a great meditation app called Waking Up, which I highly encourage people, especially if you're pursuing psychedelics, it's a really good way to pair that with and amplify those experiences and really understand them, especially for, for Sam. His journey, um, he spent 10 years in India training with uh, meditation teachers. Um, and and it, but his journey started with MDMA and mushrooms when he was like 18, 19, 20. And those experiences were so profound he decided to go on the spiritual journey to really explore what's what's actually capable. 
psychologically speaking and what actually like how do you actually live a joyful mindful relatively stress-free kind of life and rather than a life that's fully at the mercy of whatever's going to go on in the world right that that's that's a life that most people live and that's a tragic life because your your happiness is the world's happiness like if the world is treating you well then you're well if the world is giving you opportunities then you're okay but if not if something goes wrong in the world then you're immediately destroyed too totally so that, that's a big problem so having some level of internal equanimity peace confidence joy developing that is very difficult but it is possible and that's what psychedelics teach you when done in the right context and when done with the aid of meditation it's it's really it can really give you this this true superpower that can't be replaced yeah yes yeah, so should we talk about uh, connor we're going to talk about his experience for sure for sure he he uh kind of the opposite experience to Alex. He had a really, really great first part of the trip. And as he was peaking was as the storm was hitting as well. And it made him feel a little uneasy. And as we all kind of went back to our tents, he, he was walking up and he was kind of lost with himself. He didn't know really who he was in that moment. He was struggling with a lot of identity um, from what he said. And um, yeah, he, uh, he laid down and someone made a joke. He was like, hey, Connor, you know, be careful. Your tent might fly away as he was getting into the tent and it freaked him out. He was off his rocker on all these different thoughts of my tent's going to fly away. You know, I'm the only one in here not helping. You know, of course, it's going to be me who's going to lose his tent. Like I, I should move, but I can't. Like I don't want to. I can't do this. You know, like the tent's going to fly away and it's going to be my fault. And then where am I going to sleep? You know, and he, he was just struggling with these thoughts. So he had like a real breakdown in the tent. And as Alex was getting out of his tent, he was going to check on Connor. And Connor in this moment was like, I'm going to lose my mind. I need someone to ground me. I know Alex is right there. I should just call out to him. I need to, but he just couldn't bring himself to do it. And Alex like walked through the tent door that next minute. And they were able to calm down together because they were both... Alex was well, but he was you know, coming down and it was, he was not feeling, you know, well in his stomach, he had a pit and yeah, it was, it was really, really cool to see how they worked together to like finish out that trip in a good light. And, um, that's right around the time it went sour for Gavin from trying to ground himself using marijuana. Um, he, uh, you know, the storm cleared up and I got out of our tent and, uh, our tents were about 80 feet apart on different ends of the beach um, like the beach front right next to where we were. And I got out of my tent and I look over and they're talking and they all turn and they're like, yeah, he's alive. And, you know, I wave and I start walking over and I watch as Gavin starts walking towards me and he takes one step and it's a little wobbly, a second step. And it's a little less wobbly. Mm. And then he just goes like straight down through one of the tents and passed out. And he, um, yeah, he was out for like, a hot sec mm. and you know i think it was a little bit of dehydration mixing of substance he definitely greened out a bit and he stood up and alex picked him up we started talking again and all of a sudden alex is like help help and we look and gavin has passed out into his arms yeah and it's just like you know 140 pounds of dead weight <laughs> um so we laid him down and he had a little bit of a snooze we gave him some food and he was all right but it kind of it was 
It was yeah. weird because as I was struggling a little bit in the beginning, as so was Alex, Gavin and Connor hit it on the, you know, the end of the trip and they had a bad come down and Connor's, mm-hmm. Connor's had bad trips before. So we knew he just needed someone to ground himself. He made the mistake of doing uh, just over three and a half grams at a party uh, that we were at. And of course it was at a big farmhouse and there was a lot of people there. There was golf balls. People started handing him golf balls when they heard he was on mushrooms. By the end of the night, every pocket on him had golf balls in it, and he was freaking <laughs> out. <laughs> I found him on, how you doing, buddy? He's like, I don't know where these came from. And he pulled out like 50 golf balls out of his hoodie pocket. Wow. And, was he really uh, struggling? He was struggling, but like in a funny way, like even he knew he's like, I don't know where these came from, but it's freaking me out. But like, I don't know if I'm hallucinating them. Like he took it like a champ. And then, and then he, he ended up putting himself into a room with uh, one or two of us. We just kind of hung out for a couple hours and let him kind of, you know, chill out in aloneness. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that was just a funny, funny experience. I thought. Yeah. 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 For, for most people, you do not want to do three and a half grams at a party or for your first time or by yourself. Definitely yeah. not advised. Definitely not advised to do that. It was it was um, definitely a mistake. Um, he had done them about 12 times beforehand. So okay. he figured it yeah. would be okay. okay. But just for anyone who might want to try them, that is a pretty heavy dose for most people. Um, especially for your first time. It can yeah. cause some serious, serious shit, man. Yeah, yeah, three grams is considered a full therapeutic dose. So, like, if, if I were to go do a guided session of of psychedelics, they would give me three grams if I were to do mushrooms. Um, and, and a lot of people, actually, I've been hearing more and more through this uh, clinic that I'm doing my counseling through, m- more and more they're in guided sessions. It's um, like a low dose of MDMA and a moderate dose of mushrooms. Yeah, MDMA just kind of tapers it off and gives a little more positive emotion, creates a bit of euphoria, a bit of comfort, um, a bit of joy. And then the mushrooms then help you go into those deeper pockets and relive those traumas or really examine your anxieties and various stressors in life. But that's growing. That's a more and more popular combination is doing MDMA and mushrooms. And I think I'm going to probably explore that at some point this summer, possibly. There's some cool news in BC today where they're decriminalizing um, a lot I of saw that. including MDMA, which I was so stoked to see that, except that this is happening next year. I thought this was right away, but this is going to take into effect next year, which it's going to make it a lot easier to do MDMA a little more recreationally. Yeah. And I, I've been trying to get my hands on MDMA. I don't know if you know people who are able to access it. You know, yeah, we can, we can chit chat after. Don't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I also, um, you know, want to verify what the source is and, of course. and also, you know, like, like not just have like an open source where it's like, I can just do it whenever. Cause it's, you know, like, like psychedelics as my friend Carson, a clinical counselor has been telling me that they, like, you really have to respect the, the medicine. Like they are, he calls it medicines because they are medicines. 100% right they are totally. The, they're, they're medicines. You don't want to just be doing MDMA every weekend or doing mushrooms every weekend. Like, no. That's not how it works. You yeah. have to treat it with a lot of respect. A lot of intention has to go into it. You guys seem to um, have created the like pretty decent parameters of how you were doing it. You had the music, you had the nature, you were kind of together. You had that social environment. That's really nice. Um, we made sure that yeah. we were comfortable in our spot. 
And we know that the first time we did it, we were with a much smaller group. There was about eight of us and we had no visitors, but we were more isolated and we had lesser supply. We had about uh, two and a half grams total. So I did a half gram and Alex and Connor both did one gram, which is the only reason. Um, I did just over one gram. I mean, uh, uh, half a gram. It was about 0.6 and it was just what was left from uh, the, the mushrooms. We ate them that time, but we drank them this time. Yeah. And, um, I feel like, especially, you know, with the news, I got really excited. Um, not only for the good side effects of, you know, now being able to access, you know, MDMA a little bit more legally and uh, not, you know, not having to worry about going to jail for possessing it. Uh, it feels great. Um, yeah. I also feel like it'll really help with a lot of things, you know, the less criminal it is to carry those things, the less scary it is to come forward about needing help. And I feel like it'll really do a lot of beneficial things for people who are struggling with their addiction alone because they're fearful of the consequences of saying they're struggling with addiction, especially when mm. it comes to illegal substances. I feel like mm. it's really going to be healthy for someone struggling who, you know, may seem off to their friends and their family who don't know they may be struggling with a heroin addiction. And now that yeah. it won't be criminal to have a gram of heroin on you, you can be like, hey, mom, I need help and I don't know what to do. I'm scared. Can we talk about this and talk it through without having to worry about going to jail the next morning? Mm. Yeah, and that's I think a really, that that's a really be good point. Really benef yep. beneficial. I'm super stoked to see how that affects us because we saw the same thing. You know, uh, teen deaths in BC were at an all time high before the decriminalization and legalization of marijuana because of fentanyl laced product that was killing, killing hundreds of kids. I, I had mm. two friends who overdosed on fentanyl and luckily came through it with very, very traumatic near death experiences. And that was right before the legalization of marijuana. And now, you know, deaths from fentanyl overdoses are still high, but in other products, I can't remember the last time I heard about a marijuana induced fentanyl overdose. Mm. And it's, mm. it's, yeah. it's, it's a really positive thing. And I think the more steps we take towards this, uh, the more likely we'll be able to catch up to Europe. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I know Portugal things are way, they're done way differently. Same with Holland, the Netherlands, Germany, I've heard, have very different policies when it comes Denmark to... Denmark as well. Yeah, when it comes to legalization of drugs. Um, but that's definitely a conversation to have. And then hopefully I think we, we we can move to a place slowly and gradually where you have more psychedelic therapy clinics. That's a conversation I've had totally. many times that that would be amazing where like you can go to a doctor and be like, Hey, I have PTSD or I have depression. Now I don't want to be fed these harmful over the counter antidepressants that don't do shit and actually make you worse and make you addicted to them. They're horrible for you. When you take things like antidepressants and anxiety pills, they don't actually get at the root cause of the problem. They're just more of like a, cherry on top just kind of like masking the symptoms totally. they don't actually deal with the real issues and, and for many people they don't even work that well or, or they make it worse sometimes or or they get hooked on it and they keep taking more and more and, and then it becomes then it, be, then it becomes a drug addiction I have, I have a very personal story about that um and i think i think it'll be great when things like xanax are no longer used for uh anti-anxiety medication um i had a good friend and i i won't 
mention his name on live. I can talk to you about it a little bit later, Rav. But he was prescribed Xanax quite a few years back for anxiety. And, you know, he started acting a little off. So we're horrible. all confused. So but, I'm already disgusted but, by the pharmaceutical industry and the, the medical establishment just giving out things like Xanax and antidepressants right away. It, it's, it's horrible. And it was a high dosage. And he called me freaking out. And it was the first time I had talked to him in like a year, which was odd because he was a really close friend of mine for a long time. And he, he ended up moving away a little bit through high school. So I stopped seeing his, him as much. But we would frequently call. And I hadn't heard from him in almost a year. And I was like, dude, what's going on? He's like, Tyler, I can't remember the last time I remember a day. <laughs> He's like, you know, I wake up and I, I was taking these pills that were supposed to help me feel better, but I take one. And the next thing I know, I'm home from work and I've got random shit that I've bought and, and receipts for food that I don't remember eating because the doses is yeah. so strong. But if I go a day without it, I puke and I wither and I can't do this. And he got help and he got off of it. But I feel like if that was a microdose of MDMA, there would have never been an issue there. This kid was like, he lost like 30 pounds. He was skin and bone mm. and was just not eating. He, when he was, he didn't remember buying the meals because you know what one Xanax would do ended up needing to be two and a half bars and closer to three by the, by the time he realized he needed to stop. Mm. Because, you know, they lose potency yep. and your body develops the tolerance to them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just briefly, um, you probably haven't done as much research as I have <laughs> into this, but the, the microdosing MDMA, they've actually shown to be very ineffective and sometimes even detrimental. When you do too low of a dose of MDMA, weirdly <laughs> enough, it tends to be... It tends to be the case in the studies where you give people a low, a very low dose of MDMA, it tends to kind of mess with them a little too much, and they're not able to fully experience what they have to experience. Yeah. Whereas with mushrooms, it's different. Mushrooms, you can gain a lot from a microdose, but with MDMA, it's different. You, you don't want to microdose with that. And, and, sure. and MDMA, is, MDMA is different, too, because you can actually OD on MDMA, and MDMA is much easier to get addicted to as well, um, whereas with mushrooms... There's actually no lethal dose, which is pretty incredible. And totally. you can't you can't really get addicted to mushrooms because of how powerful they are. They're they're very they're, they're anti-addictive. Like they they're doing studies right now. Studies they've already done. Jordan Peterson talks a lot about these incredible studies where they take people who are addicted to smoking, smoking cigarettes, and um, you give them two or three sessions of like three or four grams of mushrooms in a therapeutic context over the span of like two, three, four months. And you pair that with counseling, something like 75 to 80% of them quit smoking. Wow. Nothing comes in. Nothing comes even close to that. Nothing in the ballpark of that rate for curing addiction. Um, no, no, um, uh, various other smoking medications that people can eventually take. No traditional counseling comes close to that when it comes to people who are chronically addicted, but mushrooms seem to open up these gateways in our mind and really like examine what's going on. And, and Jordan Peterson hypothesizes, which is probably true, that, that when you take a large dose of mushrooms, it like pulls you so far out of yourself that you're able to then like look like on a computer screen of this is my shit. <laughs> You're able to see like, oh, 
this is why I'm addicted. This is what's going on. I'm looking for approval. I'm looking for love. I'm looking to have a more fulfilling life. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not living that, that uh, immersive life where I'm in the present moments or I'm seeking this high from, from smoking or whatever it is. And so you're able to really take an unfiltered and uh, super clear, transparent look at your mind through a high dose of mushrooms. And that's what helps cure people of their smoking addictions. It's pretty incredible. Totally. I think I, um, I might've misunderstood. I couldn't remember what um, was better for microdosing, whether it was mushrooms or MDMA as I, you know, I really haven't done as much research yeah, no as I wanted it was, it was, to. It was probably mushrooms. Yeah, totally. Totally just might have mixed them up. I had read um, a little bit of an interview with 070 Shake about her microdose usage of mushrooms and her experience, how that, you know, helped get her through, you know, addiction and and um, her struggle with heroin and cocaine. And um, it was really cool um, to hear how that had kind of changed her. But I couldn't remember if it was... Uh, like if as a whole it was, but I, I need to do more research on it. I, I had such an amazing, profound experience that I do want to do it again. And I do think it would be beneficial to do a therapeutic dose from what I've heard and correct me if I'm wrong, really the more, the heavier the dosage. And I was told specifically by a few people to start with one gram and work my way up in half gram increments. Yep. And um, that was kind of my plan, but you know, maybe that could change when I look into therapy with it, but I'm, from what I understand, it's basically like the more you take, you do have a little bit heavier effects, but it just kind of prolongs the effects rather than intensifies them like a great amount. Like if I did one opposed to three, I don't think the effects would be three times as insane. You know, I just feel like it might be, I could be wrong though. Yeah, no, no, it, it definitely intensifies it. One versus three. That, that's a pretty big difference. Because with one, what one is just an amplification and kind of beautification of what's going on in your reality. Three is you're having very, very clear hallucinations, and it's difficult to say because it varies from person to person. But yeah. broadly speaking, for most people, one is going to amplify your senses. Three is going to give you new senses. <laughs> it's going to make you see things that you've never seen before. Um. And it also depends how you do it as well. I mean, if, theoretically, three, like if, if you if you have your eyes opened, one and three, the, the difference potentially might be a little smaller, but it would still be pretty radically different with three. You could, you might see trees moving around and like talking to you in mysterious ways. You might see the water just do crazy things and defy the laws of physics, <laughs> do, do weird shit. Uh, whereas... If you if you have your eyes closed, that, that's a different experience, and I'm happy to talk more about that if you want. But if, if you're looking to do a therapeutic dose, um, definitely you want to move up by half gram increments. And for, for anybody who's starting this, you you want to start at like 0.2 or 0.5 just to be like super safe because these things aren't for everybody. I, I would I, I would say like the majority of people can use these things safely. But there are there is a minority of people who just should stay away from it, and you really can't know till you actually do it. So you want to start off with like zero point five grams, which you did, which is great. Um, I, yeah. I started with I, I just started with zero point one just for the first time, and then zero point five, zero point eight, zero point nine. I didn't really feel much, and then I just went for one, 
um, and didn't have too good of an experience. But if, if you're looking for a therapeutic dose, Tyler, I would recommend eyes closed as opposed to nature. If you're, if what you're trying to get at is looking at yourself and examining your behaviors and potentially healing any wounds that you have, or looking at any anxiety or depression or just difficult things in life, you want to have a blindfold. You want to have some chill music that that's not super flashy or, or that's going to distract you too much or I mean, maybe something you're not super familiar with, something that's a little uh, tempered down that's just kind of in the background. You know, you know, just kind of background music is really good for that. Yeah. And then eyes closed and then preferably have somebody there with you who's not doing it. You know, like if you have a friend and you guys both want to do it, you know, one day you know, on Saturday you could – you know, you, you could do the three grams and he could sit there with you for five, six hours and you could do the same thing next day with him. Kind of do it that way as opposed to totally. just doing three grams together, which is if, if you really want to get a lot out of the experience and you want to ensure that it's a safe experience, then you want to have somebody there who's sober, who's guiding you through it. Or or at least if, if it's not a professional guide, which is the way I've done it, if it's just a good friend who knows who, who, knows who you are and it can give you that sense of safety and comfort if you're going through something very difficult. For sure. I'll definitely have to check it out and do a little bit of research and you know, when that happens, cause I'm sure it will, um, we'll definitely have to have another conversation about it, but I'm curious when you say it's a total different beast, when you close your eyes, can you kind of explain and elaborate on that a little bit more? I'd like to hear a little bit about it. Cause I do know about a lot of the effects with eyes open, you know, Connor being such a vet, with mushrooms, I think at this point he's now done it about 30 times uh, over the last wow. year. Um, and he spaces it out too. He doesn't like to do it back to back to back. And um, after my experience now, you know, I've got a buddy of mine who, after hearing about it, is very open to the idea. And I told him, like, hey, earliest I'm going to do this is July. I need at least two months to recoup and rethink and reevaluate from what I've already learned. And then we can sit down and do it again together. Um, but really, really, you you're, you want to wait two months after one yeah. gram? I, I want to give myself enough time to interesting really comprehend what I went through. And I know that one gram is not a huge dose. It's nothing yeah. that's going to freak me out. But yeah. in my mind, I'd like don't to... Don't be a pussy. No, I'm just kidding. No, don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, I'd like to really understand what I felt and sit yeah. with that and see how it changes me. Hmm. Because I don't think, you know, like I would be super down to do it, you know, next weekend again. But could I really, really appreciate my May Long experience if I didn't fully understand it? Mm, okay. You know? Yeah. No, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, t- two months, like just, and this varies from person to person. So if, if you feel two months, then absolutely do that. But for me, two months would be quite a, like two months is a pretty long time. You know, like if, yeah. if I were in your place, I'd probably wait two, two or three weeks, uh, potentially, if, if, if what you're looking to do is like a bit higher of a dose um, if you're looking to do like one and a half gram or something. But if you're looking for a full therapeutic dose, then yeah, I'd probably wait for like another month, you know, yeah. and, and, and do a lot of meditation in between, um, especially with, with what, with where you're at with one gram of mushrooms to really dial into kind of what's going on in your consciousness. I would highly recommend um, using the, the waking up app. Um, anybody who has waking up can give unlimited a free 30 days to people so if you want yeah. i can just send you a, a quick link and you can download it and get it get it for free for a month and you know just even just 10 minutes a day of meditation can really 
make you in tune with whatever's going on in your mind. Yeah, for sure. I'd love to, love to learn a little bit more about that app too. So I'll definitely have to check it out. Yeah. But yeah, that's Um, cool that you want to wait. um, It's interesting. You want to wait two months. Yeah. And I, I don't want to sound like a pussy because I'm really not scared of this stuff. I also don't want to sound nuts. I really do just want to make sure that I am fully understanding it because I have had a lot of struggles with myself over the last few years and I have had a lot of struggles with what I want to do and Mm. and with what I'm doing in the moment and struggling to see its worth and I don't want to take it for granted and a lot of granted and a lot of the time I feel that I do with things I get too caught up in it too quickly and Mm. I lose my love for it so fast that it doesn't become important anymore and for this you know when it does become therapeutic because eventually it will Right now, I'm still learning and just exploring kind of the beauty in things, which is why I'm not too worried about, you know, you know, my one and a half dose. I know it's not going to be world shaking or world ending. Um, I am yeah. very excited to see see what's different from one to one and a half in the small things. And I'm excited to feel these new emotions. I'm excited to see what it does for me, too, in the future therapeutically and see what things I've buried in in deeply and within myself that I have no recollection of because I found the very Mm. same thing when I did a lot of meditation and, and mindfulness and studying in New Zealand when I was attending YWAM, which we talked about on the last podcast, I feel like I, um, I had a totally different spiritual experience and I really found myself, but it took quite a while to dig deep and pull apart those roots and fix the wounds that I needed to fix that I had buried within myself you know, mm. trying to forget. And I, I can't wait for the day that I can uncover even more traumas that I completely forgot happened and be mind blown at the fact that I lived through that and, you know, push yeah. through that and work through it within myself. But, you know, I got to get there first and I got to, got to stick through this and explore the beauty in life a little bit more. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That was actually a big motivation for my second MDMA trip. And that's still kind of a motivation and I haven't really figured it out. And I feel like I've only scratched the surface to, to be completely honest with you. Um, and, and before I go on, I should also say that I, while I'm slightly mocking the fact that you want to wait two months in your case, <laughs> I, I did mushrooms in January, just the one gram. Haven't touched them since, although I've, I've done MDMA and I've done LSD once, but that was my last trip, which was pretty uh insane in good and bad ways <laughs> even though even though it was guided um not something i like to just talk about openly yet but um me and my buddy eric we were actually if anybody's curious and they want to know about my lst trip we unexpectedly decided to talk about it in the second last podcast that i just released a couple of days ago um with him um, again he's jordan peterson's video producer and he it was just just a crazy story where we were just talking a couple of days before my trip because I wanted some advice on on what to what to look out for, and he's done LSD like dozens of times and mushrooms and MDMA like he's really like a psychedelic expert in many ways. And him and Peterson have so many conversations about psychedelics um, offline. And I was talking to him and he was just telling me that you can you can call me during the experience if you need anything. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I don't know if that'll be necessary, but okay, cool. And then in, in the experience, I truly was 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 in hell <laughs> this kind of inner hell yeah that i i do not recommend people 
do, even though you can't really expect anything with LSD, it, it's, it's really, it really varies. Some people experience heaven, some people experience hell, metaphorically speaking, within their own minds. Um, but anyway, anyway, I don't know why I'm talking about LSD right now. <laughs> but, You're all good, man. I love but, it. I love hearing it. But um, yeah, I don't want to go into too much depth there yet. And I'm still kind of working through that. And that's it's very important to to realize that. But with, with, I was going to say with mushrooms, though, I'm not going to touch mushrooms till at least at least July. And I did it last in January. Um, and a lot of anxiety came up. And so I spoke to my friend Carson, who's the, the, the true psychedelic expert who has a clinical psychology background. And he was saying that, yeah, you want to really work through your anxiety. And I assume Alex would be on the same page as well with what he experienced and, and definitely Gavin as well. That you you want to really work through your anxiety in your sober life before you get into mushrooms um, because they can really amp up that anxiety and create a bad trip. So that that's where meditation and breath work are honestly kind of the only things you can do. Yeah. Um, a, a, apart from counseling, which really kind of gets at the heart of whatever it is you're going through and what's causing the anxiety. But but deep breath work, you know, just ten minutes a day can really do a lot for anxiety and and I, I feel like once i'm ready i'll get into mushrooms but, but but right now i'm still dealing with a lot of this kind of body anxiety in my chest and so until i resolve that i'm not going to touch mushrooms totally. but everybody everybody's at a different chapter like my, my friend parker he really wants to do a full therapeutic dose so me and him are gonna um do it he, he's gonna do it i'm just gonna sit there with him um, probably next month, <laughs> maybe in a couple of weeks. So that, that'll be really cool. We'll, we'll give him three grams and, and see what happens. Um, but but to, to answer your question, by the way, you asked earlier about what the what it's like eyes closed versus eyes open. Yeah. Um, I, I personally can only say from my experience, which was eyes closed with one gram. But but, but I can sort of talk about it broadly speaking because I've done a lot of literature. I've done a lot of research. And I know a lot of people who've done this. Um, and that's kind of how Jordan Peterson talks about it too, is just from, from gathering the evidence and seeing what the research says and what other people say versus what you've experienced. So there, there's limitations and there's merits in talking in this kind of way. Totally. But, but from, what, from what the kind of broad research and, and, and also the anecdotes from people that I can gather is the, the eyes closed experience is obviously going to be much more visceral, much more looking at yourself and understanding different parts that you may have buried in your unconscious mind. And then that's where I think one gram and three gram is, is, is most definitely like radically different. And you, you can't really compare the two. Well, one gram for many people, for many people, eyes closed, it's just going to be a very deep, soothing meditative experience. Um, unless you're dealing with a lot of anxiety, which was in my case, which could be very uncomfortable and destabilizing. Yeah. But three, three grams trauma is going to come up or current day stresses are going to come up in this really powerful visualized way. And you're going to see what many people describe, like, like the difficult parts of your life past or present, or even anticipated for the future are really going to come alive and look at you in this very visualized way. And you're going to see all these different geometrical patterns that are going to be moving in all these different directions. So you're really going to be forced to, to look at things that you don't want to look at in your conscious life. And it's going to bring up those traumas and stressors that you have in your life. Um, and so it's going to be a much more therapeutic process. Whereas 
from what people say with three grams, like, like a higher dose of mushrooms when you're doing it with eyes open and you're in nature, then you're just going to see um, things just moving around you in this crazy way. And it's going to be a much more enchanting movie kind of experience. That's much more external. Uh, where yeah. eyes closed, eyes closed is going to be way more therapeutic and possibly way more difficult too. But, but if you're looking for a therapeutic, then definitely eyes closed is the way to go. You know, have a blindfold with you even just so it's just total pitch black because that really just minimizes any distractions. Totally. Not to say that, that doing things in nature is bad. That, that's also amazing. But you, you want to really cut out everything that's unnecessary and just be kind of with yourself and, pref- and preferably with somebody there. To, to help you out if you're going through a difficult time. And once you minimize all those un- unnecessary things, then you're really able to dial into your trauma and into your stress and really explore different parts of yourself that you otherwise never would in your ordinary waking life. Totally. And I, I think that's what makes me excited about it is the fact that I will have this time to like experiment. And I am, this is just the beginning of my journey. I'm excited to try those therapeutic doses with my eyes closed, meditating, and again out in nature. And I'm excited to feel new things and really experience life without its filter. Because that was one of the things that I really felt I experienced on that trip, was I looked at life and I could finally see everything without its filter. Like there's some sort Mm. of over our lives and over our consciousness. And that right there was true beauty and the beauty that you hear described in old literature and poems from you know the 1600s things when life wasn't as saturated in technology and others people's views and politics and and crime and war and i know there was still wrongdoings going on all throughout time but i really feel like that was a i experienced something i'd never experienced before that was true beauty in like my surroundings. Mm. Yeah. Most people are not able to acknowledge that. Right. Because their inner world is so twisted and so fucked up. Right. Like they're dealing with so much inner anxiety, trauma, stress, resentment, guilt, obsessiveness, heartbreak, lust, greed, all these things. And then, rob us of actually enjoying the beauty in life right we have that because we have that filter if you're depressed which is not the label i I like to use for myself formally but you know something like that is like life feels very gray and like like what i was saying my second mdma trip was very much motivated by what you were saying it was specifically my my counselor and i we were talking about it and and that was the exact intention i had was i want to find beauty in the present moment that is my mission on this trip and yeah I, I, and I and I'm still writing about it, and I'm, you know, <laughs> expect more on that. But it, I, I didn't fully get there, and, and other more important things came up. But but that's still a mission that I'm on right now, is how to find beauty in the present moment without that filter. Because for me, the filter is just so thick, and it's it's like that for most people. Is you're you're projecting your inner turmoil onto the world, and what you're seeing is not the world itself. You're seeing the world. Um, in in this totally distorted, twisted, and like radically detached way, 
And Alan Watts, who anybody who wants to get into psychedelics should listen to Alan Watts. He, he was famous in the 50s and the 60s. He was a public philosopher. He was a Christian priest turned more like a universal mystical kind of person. But, but he, he thoroughly understands Christianity and religions of the East, and spirituality, and meditation. And right when psychedelics were coming up in the 50s and the 60s, he started to uh, really immerse himself in, in that as well and experience it. And, and his lectures are actually on the Waking Up app, which, which Sam Harris just put on, credit to him. And, and he he's probably the best communicator on psychedelics that's ever lived because he's able to really explain it in a way that's incredible. And I would actually recommend that for you, Tyler, especially with the experiencing beauty in life and seeing it without filter. Alan Watts mm-hmm. explains psychedelics better than anybody else. And I'll, I'll definitely text you a few links on that um, afterwards. Please, but, but please do. What, one thing he said, like he has these like long talks and he talks for like three hours at a time. These are all recordings from the fifties and the sixties when he was with a bunch of people and he would like for three hours, he would just talk about psychedelics and, and he would tie it to Christianity and Jesus and spirituality and science and technology. And it's just this incredible like body of, of art that he created basically just by talking. Um, anyway, he, he, he makes the point that, um, that everybody is actually hallucinating. <laughs> like the way we see reality we're not actually seeing reality. We're seeing a hallucination in our ordinary life. Okay. See, pe- people don't see that, right? Yeah. When you're de- when you're depressed or you're anxious or you're ridden with guilt or your your heart is broken over something, and you're you know you're trying to enjoy a meal, you're looking out at the world. It's like it, you're not really able to enjoy it. It feels so dull, dark, and gray. That's because you're hallucinating. <laughs> you know, people only use that word for like drugs, psychedelics specifically but everybody's hallucinating because they're projecting their inner realities onto actual reality. And therefore they're not experiencing actual reality. They're experiencing all of their own inner baggage projected onto the physical world. And so they're not able to enjoy trees. They're not able to enjoy looking at the water or really enjoy a meal, you know, for people dealing with mental illness, they're, they're so disconnected and they're living a hallucination, but a a really toxic one a really dark, toxic hallucination that that psychedelics can really go a long ways in, in healing and, and making you more connected with yourself and ultimately with the world and everybody around you. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to have to check that out because that makes me really excited. I've been looking for a way to dive deeper into what I was feeling, and I know that, you know, um, what I was feeling has been felt by a lot of people before. It wasn't super unique to me, right? Like that is something that I'm sure many people have gone through, but it was unique to me at the same time. And I did go through such a, uh, such a kind of insane moment of like bliss. I'd love to understand why and what changed. So yeah, if you could send me some of those links, I would love it. Cause I mean, the more I know about this, the better I think yeah. I would feel about doing it more often. Not that yeah. I feel- comfortable at all but you know yeah 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 most people who really really get into psychedelics listen to alan watts because he was the best public speaker that's ever lived on psychedelics because he had such a strong religious and intellectual framework like you've had other people like there's this guy terence mckenna you may have heard of he's really he was really popular but he was a little crazy and he kind of was wild and said things that were kind of insane but, but but Alan Watts, he was a former Christian priest, so he, you know, he's a person to really to, to trust on that and to 
really understand what he's getting at because he ties it to religion and spirituality. So I, I only recently started listening to Alan Watts because um, my friend Alan, or sorry, my friend Carson recommended it to me and I recommended it to Parker. Um, and he's been loving Alan Watts. It's, he's a, a great guy, but, but, but he, you know, he and many other people, they, they, they really emphasize that point of your, the, the psychedelic experience just opens up just a truer, more clear and and like you said unfiltered connection with reality which is from what i understand from what the great spiritual traditions within india and also parts of mystical christianity say is the answer is the solution and the antidote to suffering is when you're fully immersed in reality and you're able to embrace it rather than most people who are stuck in their heads and who something bad happens to them and they immediately become bad. A tragedy happens, they become tragic. Their outlook becomes tragic. You know, something really depressing happens, and they become that depression. They become the heartbreak. They become the guilt. They become anxiety. They feel it in their body. It becomes their reality. And, and their whole life spectrum is, is colored and is dimmed by this anxiety, this depression, whatever it is. And so it's that lack of connection with reality and with ourselves, that is the problem and the center of most of our psychological problems. So, so psychedelics, when done properly in a therapeutic context and with the aid of mindfulness meditation and journaling and counseling is going to really open up these doors of perception for you and help you better connect with reality and transcend this ego that is so rigidly cemented in all of our minds. It's like it's, it's, it's always about what we're craving, what we want, what we don't want. This person's bad. This person's good. I hate this. I love that. This is good. This is bad. All these different judgments that we make. It's like, can we just stop judging the world? Can we stop judging ourselves? Can we stop um, constantly projecting our inner world to the outer world? Most people can't do that. And, and I'm not claiming I can do that at all. And I'm very early on in this journey, not claiming any authority on anything to be honest at this point yeah but now getting into psychedelics and having these glimpses listening to alan watts and especially sam harris who's also great sam is less religious um it's, he, he talks about psychedelics more um just just with his profound experiences which are really cool um he has a, sam actually has a great audio essay that was viral on youtube um it's just called sam's mushroom trip if anybody's interested they can just search that it's like a 25 minute audio essay that he put out. I think it was the first year of the pandemic, 2020 he did, I think it was five grams of mushrooms with a blindfold on. And he talks about his experience, really, really uh, great piece of reflection that I highly recommend. But, but going back to what I was saying earlier, that's, that's kind of all what it, um, what it boils down to is living a less judgmental, less self-critical and less emotion and ego driven life and a more, clear in the present moment and joy-filled life yeah i think that's a great way to describe it like after doing it it was such a joyful thing and i had such a different outlook on life um i'm excited to dive deeper into it i'm really excited to see how this can change my perspective because for a long time it was it it really was hard for me to look at life in a positive light. And I don't know why it was something that I've 
you know, I've struggled with depression on and off for quite, quite a long time. And mm. it was, Same here. yeah, yeah. And it, it, uh, especially anxiety, like anxiety has been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. And for those few moments, those few hours on mushrooms, it's like, wow, I feel okay. <laughs> and that feeling of like bliss mm. was unmatched. And to really dive into this and figure out why to, to learn more about it and experience it in a heavier, more effective manner makes me so excited, <laughs> like beyond excited. Yeah, super excited. Yeah, I know. I know when, when, I, when I did my first few trips, man, like I, I was just recently talking to a friend who he, he's in the States and he was inspired by my work. Uh, and so he came to Vancouver and actually did a full guide experience because he read my article and it was blown up by Joe Rogan and stuff. Um, and it, like, he was telling me about him, like walking to the, the place and doing it. And it, and I, and I was just reminded, this was just last week. And I was just reminded of that excitement that I had. Like when you, like in my three experiences, December, February, and March, like those, like I, I've never felt that much excitement in a very long time <laughs> like yeah. for those psychedelic like just beyond like apart from the experience itself which is incredible but like the days leading up to that experience and just like looking forward to actually getting better and opening up these doors in my mind and experiencing reality much more intimately and much more joyfully just the prospect of that just reinvigorated my life and created this excitement which which was kind of temporary in the end because you know, it's the, the, it was just for the experience itself, but, but I'm really excited to see what happens in the future. And it's, you, you really feel like a kid, like you feel, you feel like just so naturally excited, like a kid when you're getting into this, cause you're, you know, cause we're all, you know, we're all growing up and, you know, we're spending so much time working, right. And life can seem very kind of one-sided or, or, or one dimensional rather. It's kind of just one kind of color sometimes. And, you know, there's good moments and bad moments, but you still kind of have this baseline of anxiety, if you know what I mean. You 100 know, like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, you go to a movie, it's really nice. You, good TV show, great. Nice listening to some great music, hanging out with some friends, but then you're by yourself again. It's like, that didn't fix anything. Like, I still feel like I suck. I still, I still feel empty on the inside. I still feel anxious and depressed. But when, when you get into the psychedelic world, you're really, you're not applying any band-aid solutions. You're getting up to the heart of why you're feeling this way. And you're, you're shown these, these revelations on how to improve yourself and live a more joyful, well-examined and mindful life. Totally. And I think that's, that's what I'm most excited for is to finally be able to feel that and understand why, and to hopefully learn how to feel that with and without these substances and learn how to properly guide myself through that light and, or, you know, be guided through that light. It'll be, it'll be really exciting, yeah. but I do have to mention, I do have to work in the morning. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Same um, here. Yeah. We're going to be meeting up tomorrow, checking our coverage. Oh, yeah. That'll be cool. <laughs> It'll be sweet. I'm excited, man. But yeah. It was great talking to you. I'm glad you're on this journey, man. I'm glad that uh, you're on this path of of spiritual understanding, of understanding yourself, and and, uh, and living a more joyful life. It's, it's really really good to see that. 
Um, and I'm really excited to see what happens in your journey and in mine. And I, th I think uh, moving forward for you, meditation is probably going to be really, really big. Of course. Um, especially yeah. as you're, you know, if you're, if you're looking for more beauty in life, the, you know, it's, it's, it's worth mentioning too. Like psychedelics, you, you're not doing them all the time. They're, they're temporary experiences that open up the door for you to actually live a better life. It's not the experiences themselves, right? It's to actually improve your life. And th that's where it's important to pair it with meditation because then you're actually really able to, to come into contact with what's going on in your inner consciousness. And yeah. these experiences are, are not just profound experiences, but they're, um, to, to, to quote Denzel Curry, I was taking trips till life became a trip. Um, <laughs> and that was, was one lyric from, I, I think that was Imperial actually. Yeah, I think it might have been Imperial where he, he had that line. Was, I, don't, I don't think I got it exactly right, but it was something like that about eventually that is the right idea. You want life to become that trip. And, and, and somebody like Sam Harris, by the way, he did like a lot of psychedelics in 19, 20, 21. Then he went to India for 10 years and was just meditating every day, several hours a day and really um, engaging in this deep spiritual process. And, and he didn't touch psychedelics for, for like two, close to two decades. I think it was two or three decades. And then he recently just did mushrooms again. But that's kind of the end goal is psychedelics are going to open up this reality for you where you don't feel the need to then use drugs, use marijuana or use anything else. Cause your, your, your baseline is just so joyful. So in, in the present moment and so mindful that the, then psychedelics just kind of become obsolete for you and you've kind of seen what you've been shown. And then it's just up to you to live up to that potential consistently. But but for totally. people who who haven't who are still ridden with anxiety and depression, then then psychedelics are indispensable tools at the start that can show you the the way and show you the light moving forward. So I, I'm I'm glad you're on this path, and I'm glad for for both of us and for your friends and mine to to engage in this lifelong path of of, of inner healing and and spiritual understanding. It's it's uh, beautiful to see it play out. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm on the beginning of this journey and I'm really excited to see where it goes. And I have a feeling it'll be a very similar personal deep reaction as I had to my experiences in New Zealand uh, with my, you know, kind of spiritual awakening with my own yep. beliefs and my own religious views. And, you know, the amount of meditation and, uh, you know, uh, searching of my soul, soul searching, really, that I did out there and and studying on what I believe and why I believe it and how my views may differ from some things that other people believe in. And, and even in the same light, how my Christianity uh, may be a little different from Parker's or maybe a little bit different from my parents or, you know, uh, the next person. And I, I was coming to terms with that and really, really diving deep within myself and having those spiritual awakenings and those big profound moments of, of, recognition and you know healing and and uh i could just kind of say like like holy fuck moments like wow you know there's several that i remember so distinctively and i'm really excited to make those new experiences true and known with with another another form of uh you know inner soul searching uh with the psychedelics and psychedelic treatment eventually i think it'll yeah. be really 
Yeah. And I also should commend you as a Christian for trying psychedelics because the, the kind of the dominant view of Christianity or, or at least of, of not of Christianity per se, but of the way Christians practice Christianity and, and what they believe is to stay clear of psychedelics at all costs. And I'm sure you've probably experienced that um, personally yeah, my, with various my, people who are like, dude, what are you doing? Stay away from that. <laughs> my parents are very, very against that kind of stuff. And it's hard because I have a great relationship with them, but uh, there's yeah. a few things they won't get to know. And this is one of them for the time being, you know, um, eventually they will find out and I will, I will sit down and have a conversation with it about them. And, you know, they know I'm an adult and I'm going to do my own shit. Um, you know, I rent a place from them. They understand that they're not here. They can't control what I do, but, uh, I've struggled with a relationship with them for a long time. And I think that's been one of my biggest hurdles, uh, in life was not having a true real relationship with my parents, at least in my eyes. Uh, cause you know, you're always good at faking it and putting on a smile at dinner, but it was when I got home from YWAM that that actually changed. That was one of my profound moments was realizing, wow, I have an amazing family that I've just kind of turned my back on because at moments I had felt that their backs were turned on me. And I was just like, all right, well, they don't want anything to do with it. I'll just kind of fuck off and do my own thing. Not true. I just was too young to understand what was going on. And after really looking deeper and, and, and putting a lot of prayer and meditation into it, I got home and it was like my number one priority was to be an amazing son and just be an authentic person. And of course there's things they won't know. And, you know, they're not my best friends. They're my mom and dad. Right. But they, they do mean the world to me. And this is something that, uh, you know, definitely have to wait. This will be a conversation at my wedding where it's like, Oh, Hey mom, guess what I did once. Oh yeah. By the (laughs) way, I didn't do it once. It was like eight times and it was therapy. I grew so much. You should try it. That's awesome. Something like that. But yeah. But yeah, I'm glad you're open-minded to that. There are a lot of Christians I know, probably most Christians I know, that probably generally reflects how many Christians feel about it is for, for, for a number of reasons, but primarily that, that when you do closer to three, four or five grams of mushrooms, you're going to have a very mystical experience. And many people describe it as, as experiencing God or experiencing something like God or feeling the beauty of God, something which I'm totally open for that being true in some uh, interesting way. But but just just having a deep mystical experience um, through means that are not uh, filtered through any kind of Christianity or any kind of pastor or church scares a lot of Christians and makes them think that this is some dark evil force that you don't want to commune with um, because mm-hmm. it's a it's a kind of contrived, artificially propped up divine experience, which is genu- which is genuinely the word to use when you're talking about five grams of mushrooms, it's going to be, it's going to feel very divine. That's how a lot of people totally talk about it. So, so for Christians, that kind of represents a bit of a threat possibly, or, or, or maybe like, Oh, if they do that, then they'll lose connection with God and they won't be able to actually um, be true to their faith if they're just doing mushrooms. But, but, but I think that's a really narrow minded and limiting worldview. And for, <laughs> for, and for what the re and before I let you, um, of course, of course, go ahead and we'll, we'll then wrap it up. But, but, but also what the, the research shows, um, they, they've done some surveys on this. Um, there's a recent survey that came out. It was really cool. Um, they interviewed like tens of thousands of psychedelic users that were religious, and they found two broad themes. Well, one was that um, most people, most religious people, whether Muslim, Sikh, Hindu, or Christian, 
became a little more universal in their beliefs about God, which for me personally is a, is a major positive. And, and I definitely believe in a more universal God that manifests in different religions in very different ways, but kind of boils down to something that is much more universal than anything limited to one religion or another. Yeah. That's what, that's, that's a very common theme when people start doing psychedelics is they have a deeper appreciation for, for God and for the divine um, force within the universe. Um, because if they experience it there, then they realize like, Oh, it's not, you, you don't just have to go to, to, to Christianity or just this one church. This is much more universal. Somebody living in West Africa who practices a different religion can also have, can also come into contact with God, not necessarily just through Christianity, which again is controversial and is not exactly um, according to some people, what, what the Bible may say. Although even there, there's a lot of debate and I think the much more nuanced position is the one that I already outlined a much more universal approach, which um, Alan Watts talks a lot about that, how in his view and in many other people's view that the that is more of a truer meaning of, of Christianity. And, and actually, Mr. McGunavik taught me a lot about that, about a more universal Christianity that isn't so like limited and narrow minded. But but that's, yeah. a, that's, a, that's a different conversation. Um, but but the, the other important thing that they found in the survey was people grew closer in their faith after psychedelic experiences. They the you know, the the words and the, the prayer books um, had this new glow on them. They were able to feel more of a deep spiritual experience that they didn't have before, right? Before it was just reading the Bible and going through the motions and for Am I back? Hello. Yeah, you're Sorry, back. Yeah, you're my back. my nope. time limit is at 11.30. It just came up. So to cancel it. Um, but, but yeah, uh, that's the other thing people report. Um, the majority of people who do psychedelics who are religious is that they come into closer contact with their faith. So it, it's, it tends to be a net positive. And that and they, 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 they kind of breathe new life into their faith rather than diminishing their faith in any way. And, and, and also on, on that point, too, other surveys show atheists who do psychedelics, something like 70% of them no longer identify with the word atheist after their experiences because they have a deep spiritual experience. So it tends to make people more spiritual, though not necessarily like people just believe in Jesus overnight through doing psychedelics, but, but at the very least, they become much more open to religion and open to living a more spiritual life, which I think are all great positives and just more reason to, to pursue this area of uh, inquiry. And that's what I was going to say. I, I felt a lot more connected to my faith, you know, as a Christian. And like I said, I have a more modernized, you know, personal view of Christianity for myself, but I feel as a Christian, you know, the basic, basic things still stand, you know, the Lord, you know, my God, uh, or, you know, whoever's God it is, you know, uh, for anyone who believes a different religion, I don't, don't care. I don't judge. I'm very open. I, um, you know, for my views, my God, you know, created the earth, you know, Jesus came, died for my sins, blah, 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 you know, the story. But it was one of those things where I never had really felt that things were that beautiful, you know, even in YWAM, I had profound experiences where I really identified and like, you know, for myself personally, I heard the voice of God and that was really when I broke down and like things changed. And I started to dive into things like spiritual gifts and, uh, you know, seeing more of like 
the profound evidence of God in my opinion, at least. And mm -hmm. I, um, I, um, I felt like this was like, okay, well, I know that that's there, but where is this beauty? I know that nature is beautiful, you know, mm. and I've seen photos of sunsets that are gorgeous and I'm, I'm obsessed with sunsets and space and I love these things, but like, why can't I see it in the way I'm reading about it? And finally I noticed and I was like, wow, <laughs> like, holy shit. And like, I just kind of broke down. I spent a lot of time on that trip praying and it was it was really incredible. I definitely feel closer to my faith than I did before, just like I did after YWAM, you know, but that was a little different. It was a very much so like meant to be spiritual experience. And this wasn't yep. initially intended to be. And, you know, it's a high spirituality environment. Everyone around me believes the same thing. We're all here for the same reasons or slightly similar. You know, it was it was hard to come back in a sense, because when you're in such a spiritually charged environment, it's easy to grow. And I think that doing mushrooms has really helped kickstart that growth again after being in a bit of a spiritual slump for a little while. Mm. That, that's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. You're, you're breathing more life into your, your connection to God. That, that's, of course. That's, really, that, that's really beautiful. And you're using such a wonderful natural tool that, that as many people believe, and certainly I believe it's, it's a tool that God has given us, you know, God has given us the earth to look at and to really experience and, you know, psilocybin mushrooms are, are some gift that seem to do very positive things for people. And, and as, as, as some people would argue um, that, and I don't know what to feel about this, but that the mushrooms were put on the earth to, to connect more with nature at least, or, but maybe even connect more with God that these mushrooms are here for many people who are, who feel depressed and anxious can kind of use this to uh, develop a relationship to God that they didn't have before or breathe new life into it, which is kind of what you're doing. So that that's really amazing. Yeah, bro. And, you know, I can't wait to see where this path leads for both of us in, in not only our spirituality, but our, our own religious faiths and our, our personal growth, our traumas or healing. I think, you know, I've, I've been so proud watching you like do all these things. And I, I say proud in like a friendly way, like, fuck yeah, that's proud. Like, let's go, you know? Yeah. And, and to now, you know, be experiencing some similar growth in a sense, but yep. also still watching and like, you know, we have our own personal experiences. It is totally different from one to the next, even though we share similarities in that sense. It's been really cool to see you grow. And I'm excited to hear more about your future with, uh, with these substances and with this path and with your, you know, growth. That's awesome. be sweet, man. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, really appreciate it. And I'm definitely proud of you too, for, for as a, as a Christian sort of defying what, what's conventionally understood of Christianity and, staying away from substances, particularly mind altering spiritual substances, which are psychedelics. I really proud of you and commend you for, for going on that path. That is not sort of mainstream Christianity. It's more of a personal relationship to God. That's it's really, uh, really respectable. And I'm really excited to see um, where it goes for you. And also I'm, I'm really happy that you're not pursuing psychedelics the way most people I know pursue psychedelics without kind of, an underlying religious framework. Um, but since you have that, you have much more of a direction of where you want to go um, and what you believe. And I think that framework is crucial because sometimes psychedelics can bring a lot of confusion and chaos into your world. Yeah. Having, having this, having some order, spiritual order within your world, even if that's going to grow and maybe transform and you might believe something totally different in a few years. I don't know, but, but just the fact that you have that underlying structure 
you know, Jordan Peterson talks about order and chaos. The psychedelics bring a lot of chaos into your world. So it's really good to have an, an underlying spiritual framework the way you have and the way I have um, with, with Hinduism and, and Buddhism, but, but also more of a universal perspective where I'm, I'm learning more about Christianity these days as well and reading a lot of the Bible, which I find to be beautiful. Um, and I think that's very important for people who are treading this path is to have um, an underlying spiritual connection um, to grow from as opposed to just doing these things and being and already being confused and then potentially being more confused about things. So it's, it's great to have uh, religion in the mix. Totally. Totally. And I'm pumped. I'm pumped to see where this goes, man. It'll be sweet to get on and talk about it again soon. And you yeah. know, I'm excited to dive into some of these resources we've talked about. I've opened tabs and saved things uh, as we have been going along. So I'm excited, but I do think it's time for me to hit the hay and get some rest and yeah, yeah, be of charged and ready for, you know, the week. Yeah. Be charged for me. Hey man, special, I'm ready for it. Special, special client coming. Better not disappoint me. Hey bro. I got you. Let Expect me do what I do your best. Top game. Yeah, otherwise I'll, otherwise I'll cancel you on Twitter. Be like, Tyler Ford is a fucking loser. Don't ever go to his dealership. He sucks. You know, I can do that very quickly. I'll retweet you it, know, bro. Just, Don't even worry. Just, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Make Appreciate sure it's known. All right. Awesome, man. You're, and again, you're, you're welcome anytime for when, whenever we do this in the future. Hopefully you do a full therapeutic dose. You're, you're welcome anytime to come back here as this podcast grows, my platform grows. I hope to to bring other people along for the ride and amplify their message and their journey. So I, I look forward to, to having you on again when, whenever you feel you're, you're ready to, to do it again and then to talk about it. I'm looking forward to, to doing that. Me too, man. I'm looking forward to it. All right. All right, man. Have a good night, take, man. Take it easy. Thanks everyone for tuning in. It was a pleasure like always. Yeah. Good convo. Thank right. you. Good night.